As many of you know that in the last couple of weeks, I've been losing my voice. Started about um, a month and a half, close to two months ago, I started losing my voice. And as my voice deteriorated, I kept trying to deny that it was actually happening. So week in, week out, I would come to shul. And week in, week out, my voice would do things and I didn't recognize myself. All of a sudden, I'd be singing and my voice would crack and I'd say, oh, I don't know you. Or I'd try to hit a note that usually is pretty easy and, and my voice would collapse and I would do a lot of <clears throat> as much as I could, thinking that I could just do that and it would go away. And when I couldn't, fix it any longer, or delude myself into thinking that I was fixing it, I decided to get some help. And so here I am, two blocks from my house, working with one of the best voice teachers in New York. And I'm working in the mornings with the mother, who's been an opera singer in New York City for years. And in the evenings, I've been working with her son. And while both of them have been teaching me, both of them have been healing me, and both have been inviting me into looking at old patterns, the work, particularly with, with the son, has been most challenging and most rewarding. Essentially, what he's trying to get me to do against my body's and my mind's better wishes and desires is to get me to stop breathing. Stop breathing. And by that, he means the instinctive, at this point, instinctive pattern that I have of thinking that if I don't do it, it won't happen. If I don't breathe, then the breathing won't happen. If I don't give help to my diaphragm to do what it was born to do, so to speak, if I don't pull the breath, if I don't gasp and grasp at the air, then it won't come. And in that moment of deep mistrust or distrust of something so core and essential to who I am and to who you are and to who we are as human beings, something so fundamental, like breathing, my body will panic. It usually goes something like this. <sighs> Which translated into language is, I'm going to die. That reflexive place that long ago I, who knows, when I adopted the belief that if I didn't assert my will over circumstances, that my body would not know how to react. I imagine at that point in my life's history it was important. I imagine that at that point in my life's history, 
that it was a mechanism. But what do we do, I ask you, with mechanisms that once were useful but are now less than useful, they are counterproductive? What do we do with patterns that long ago were adopted for quite possibly legitimate reasons, quite possibly rational at the time reasons, quite possibly strong reasons, but now have long, long ago lost their power, lost their potency, and even worse, impede life as it wants to live. This Shabbat is a special Shabbat. Every year on the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, which is the saddest day of the Jewish calendar, which takes place this coming Monday evening, Monday and then Tuesday, we'll be here Monday night. The lights will be down. We'll be lying here on the floor sitting with candlelights and with flashlights, reading a book of lamentations, a book of wailing, a book of of disconsolation. And the tradition tells us that on this Shabbat Chazon, this Shabbat of vision, the Shabbat of of looking into the future that looks so bleak, a future that seems to be hopeless. Chazon Yishayo ben Amotz Isaiah's prophecy of what would become if we didn't wake up, if we didn't learn, if we didn't take heed, if we didn't walk our talk, if we didn't get it together. Many people are wondering how it is that we're going to survive. How is it that we are going to come together? How is it that we are going to finally, once and for all, learn from our patterns that impede our life force and keep us stuck. It's hard to imagine that a year ago today, a year ago today, August 5th, 2010, the world was riveted, riveted by a story and it's unfolding over the next 17 days. In a mine somewhere in Chile, in a group that had been worked to the bone in conditions that were inhumane. Something impossible had taken place. Stranded beneath rock, hard, impenetrable rock. The Chilean government knew that there was life that if only they could crack through that external facade, if only they could harness their energies, if only they could come together and place what was most important first and foremost, that maybe, just maybe, they could save. And so 17 days of drilling, 17 days of hoping, 17 days of praying, 17 days of disbelief, of disconsolation, 17 days of futility, 17 days of 
let's be real, 17 days of, you've got to be kidding me, 17 days. And a note comes back. We are here, the 33 of us, and we are fine. And then one by one, they were, they were raised. It's hard to imagine that a story so powerful, so majestic, so representative of what is most sublime and so holy about human beings. One year later, one year later, many are wondering, what is it that it's going to take to drill back to what is most essential, what is most important? How is it that that which is so vital and so alive in us can be saved, and whether it can be, is it possible? So the rabbis, this time of the year, has a, have a very powerful answer, a very powerful teaching about that possibility, about the, the hope that lies at the bottom of an intractable inexorable place. And the rabbis say, on Tisha B'Av, on the darkest day of the Jewish calendar, on that place that is so impenetrable and so recessed of light, none other than the Messiah is born on that very day. Beyom Tisha B'Av ben David Nolad, the son of David is born at the darkest hour, at the darkest time, on the darkest day of the year, not in terms of light and dark, but darkest in terms of mood. The rabbis promise us that something about the shell is edible. Something about that which incubates and covers is also nutritious. Something about that place that is the deepest, darkest, Fear, the deepest, darkest wound, the deepest, darkest trauma holds within it if we have the courage and the solidarity amongst ourselves to go there, holds a spark of that which is redeemed. My favorite poet, Mark Nepo, has on today's reading. He writes, every crack is an opening. When in the midst of great change, it is helpful to remember how a chick is born. From the view of the chick, it is a terrifying struggle, confined and curled in a dark shell. Half-formed, the chick eats all its food and stretches to the contours of its shell. It begins to feel hungry and cramped. Eventually, the chick begins to starve and feels suffocated by the ever-shrinking space of its world until finally its own growth begins to crack the shell and the world, as the chick knows it is, comes to an end. Its sky is falling. As the chick wriggles through the cracks, it begins to eat its own shell. And in that moment, growing but fragile, starving and cramped, 
It's world-breaking. The chick must feel like it is dying. Yet once everything it has relied on falls away, the chick is born. It doesn't die, but falls into the world. The lesson is profound. Transformation always involves falling away of things we've relied on, and we are left with a feeling that the world as we know it is coming to an end because it is. And yet the chick offers us the wisdom that the way to be born while still alive is to eat our own shell. When faced with great change in yourself, in your relationships, and in your sense of calling, we somehow must take in all that has enclosed us, incubated us, so that when new life is born in us, the old is within us. Please rise.